um, just want to share some practical worldly principles. This is obviously not a complete list, but it's just something that kind of sparks some interest and some thought with you. And, and as we're working through them, by all means, uh, share some of your thoughts. And maybe there's things up there that you're thinking about uh, that I haven't put up there. Let's talk about it. Uh, number one, when it comes to worldly principles, uh, one of them is establishing relationships based on emotion or feeling. That is a worldly principle. Okay? Uh, sometimes we get all caught up in the emotion of the fact that this person likes me or that girl stared at me or she smiled at me or he came by and gave me his t-shirt or sweatshirt or whatever guys and girls do now in high school. I don't know. I'm too old. But um, getting caught up in the emotions and the feeling of a relationship and not basing it on principles. Number two up there, it says establishing relationships based on physical attributes alone. Now, is it wrong to want to be married to someone that's good looking? No. no. Matt said that just like, no, with a big smile on his face. Um, it's not. There's nothing wrong with that. And God, in fact, God says it's okay. But that cannot be what we base the entire relationship on. Okay, that's what we talked about uh, moments ago when we talked about uh, getting old and gray and, and wrinkly and, and saggy. Okay, those good looks will eventually go away. And all we have left is gray hair, if any hair at all. And then hair in places we never thought it would be. Okay, and so these things are going to happen and we cannot base our relationship on physical attributes alone. Uh, God wants us to be ravished with our husband or with our wife and to enjoy them. Uh, in our years of youth, but to also establish that relationship, that, that connection that will last past the years of our youth. Also, establishing relationships based on financial or social benefits. I know that people have been married before because they think that this man can take care of me. He's got a great job, and he's secure, and he makes a lot of money. He's got a nice home, and I know that with him, I'm going to have everything that I want. Okay? It happens. Or there's social benefits. A person has a high standing in their community or they're um, very well-known and people like them and they like to be around them and spend time with them and they're the, the talk of the town and they're the top dog at the party. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so people a lot of times will look at that. It's appealing to them. They want that. But that's not what we base our relationship on. It's a wrong principle. That's a worldly principle. Uh, another worldly principle is getting too close too soon. What do I mean by that? What's it mean to get too close too soon? Before you actually know them. Okay. Actually know who you're actually getting close to. Okay. Uh, getting into the relationship too quickly before you know who you're getting into relationship with. Uh, I've been married for just a couple years now. I got you, Mac. I see your hand. Hold on just a second. And I'm just now getting to know a woman that I've known for over a decade. Just now getting to know her. And I've been in conversation with her for years. And so getting into a relationship, getting too close too soon. Mac, you're going to say something. Well, you're rushing and you do everything. And there's a certain point where you have to stop. And then there's nothing left. You don't know that person. They're just boring. So. Mm. Okay. So you rush in, you give too much too soon, and then it becomes a relationship that you're not necessarily interested in any longer. Because you haven't developed what's necessary first. You kind of give all the tangibles, if you will, if I can say it like that. And uh, you give some of the, uh, the personal, intimate things that you have, but you've not developed a, a, a strong, uh, continuous relationship with them. 
So getting too close too soon. What are some ways that we can get too close too soon? Physically or emotionally? Okay. Anybody else want to share a thought or maybe clarify? How can you get too close too soon? Mr. Matt. I think like oftentimes you can get too close too soon because you're like delusional. Like you're living in a fantasy land that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're, you're placing upon this person a character, a personality that you don't even know that really exists. All you're doing is you're seeing them and you're saying like, oh, they're this or they're that or they're this. But you don't even know if they're this or that or this. Mm -hmm. And so like when you're like deluding yourself, you'll get too close too soon because you think you know what they are. Mm -hmm. But you really don't know what they are. You don't even know who they are. Right. And, uh, yeah, and obviously like the practical way of, of getting too close too soon is like, like letting your mind like just go off into like married romance land, you know, like you see a girl and you don't even know her. I mean, she could like eat cats for breakfast. <laughs> you know, you don't even know. And then you're just like thinking, oh, she's this, she's that. And then before you know it, you're like in the Alps with her, mm -hmm. like in Hawaii with her. Mm -hmm. All right, good point. Thanks. Anybody else? What's another way that you can get too close too soon? Well, I think sometimes you can get too close too soon as in, like you said, setting upon them something that they aren't. Like, even if you know they aren't what you're expecting and you kind of still go, oh, they'll change. And so you go ahead with the relationship even though that person is not going to change. Okay. It goes back to that thing of Samson that you said before. It's like you hear the other person, they're going to be on my knees. And it's a, emotionally, especially, like facing with that person. Um, I know that will be brought up in the seminar, but I think all of us sometimes uh, imagine that some person is going to be on my knees, and, and that's an impossibility. That will never, never happen. And I think that's one way that we trick ourselves into looking at You know what's interesting as you guys share with me uh, these things, you're telling me basically what we've been talking about. That things are, these ideas, these thoughts, this getting too close too soon actually takes place right here first. We have these ideas and these thoughts of what can be, but we're not dealing with reality. And the reality is that we don't even know the person that we're thinking all these things about. doesn't mean that it can't happen, but it just means that we better be really objective about it and prayerful about it and get to know this person on a, on a social level and on you know, um, an intellectual level, if I can say it like that. Get to know them, and then we'll find out what they're really all about. Uh, another thing, and we'll talk more about that. We're coming to the godly principles next. But uh, the next thing here, it says enjoying worldly entertainment together. Um, that's a worldly principle, isn't it? Hey, let's go out and do this and that or the other. What are some things that uh, young people do that really uh, may cause a premature situation in a relationship? Going to the movies together? Okay, why would that be something that uh, would, would be premature or cause premature? A lot of young couples go to the movies and it's a dark, cozy environment and normally they're watching some romance and you get this whole idea in your head and you're sitting next to the person you like mm -hmm. and things start happening. Okay, potentially so. 
Uh, I have just, I catch it on the news every once in a while. And I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a movie out there about some vampires. You guys know what I'm talking about? I have no idea, but the only thing that I ever see on the internet is half-naked young people running around. I'm, I'm being honest with you, okay? And I see that, and then I look at some of these ads that I see for our clothing companies nowadays that appeal to young people. They're half-naked. And so even though these people, these young people may not be involved with it right away, Satan is continuing to implement in the mind these pictures and it creates these ideas in the minds of young people. And if they're not careful, they begin to pursue these ideas that they're seeing almost subliminally or subconsciously. And that's how he works. You remember this morning I said that we need to be transformed, I'm sorry, not be transformed by the renewing of our mind, but we can cast on imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, these reasonings. What we're talking about here is a part of that. He reasons with us, even almost subconsciously, showing us all these pictures of what relationships are all about. And this isn't what relationship is all about at all. It's not about dead young people going around and being intimate with each other. You know, I, That's just not what relationships are all about. It's kind of sick and twisted, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Very yeah. So anyway... Enjoying worldly entertainment together, when you're out there, maybe you're not thinking about it. Maybe you're thinking, hey, that's cool. I want to go to that movie because it seems exciting. All my friends are going to it, and it seems like that's something that I want to be a part of. And you don't realize is that you're walking right into enemy territory with a person that you're wanting to establish a good relationship with. And what you're doing is you're putting both of yourselves into that enemy territory situation, and you're being influenced by worldly or satanic principles, and you're hoping, or maybe not even thinking about it, but you're hoping maybe that uh, you're going to escape all that and actually have a good result from it. I'm going to tell you right now that if you're walking in any of these areas and you continue to do it, you're looking at a very terrible fall when it comes to the end of all the results of these things right here. So enjoying worldly entertainment together. Yes, movies have a huge influence on the mind. And um, what else? What other kind of entertainments out there? That uh, Music. Music? Okay. What else? Yeah, so in other words, you're entering into risky situations all the time because um, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but basically the, the saying goes, idleness is the devil's playground. Have you heard that? Yes. Yeah. And so in front of the television, uh, in front of a, a, a movie screen, that's exactly what our, our friend is saying here, that uh, our attention isn't really taking in anything. We're sitting in front of the screen being inundated with all these things. And, and basically uh, all it's doing is is, is implanting in our mind all these bad things that are coming across the screen. And that's scientifically proven, um, without question. And it's so... Not, it's not creating the opportunity for you guys to actually become a couple. You have these visions of this person being an amazing 
soul to soul, but how, how are you going to know that if you never talk to them? That's right. Okay, so enjoying worldly entertainment together, spending intimate time together. Is that a worldly principle? Yeah. What do I mean? What, let's define intimate time real quick here. What's intimate time? Being alone together. Yeah. If you're alone together with someone that is physically appealing to you, emotionally appealing to you, and uh, you're spending that alone time together, the natural inclination of the heart is to get closer. And if we're not careful, spending intimate time together will lead to, again, a premature situation where we may be involved with something that we don't want to be involved with right away. And um, intimate time together is, is very problematic for young people. It seems like uh, young ladies are getting younger and younger when it comes to the age that they're giving birth to newborn babies. Okay, why is it happening? Is it that these young people are saying, hey, I really want to have a baby at age nine? Is that what they're saying? No. Or I want to have a baby at age 12 because I'm really ready to be a mom? Why is it happening then? I think that it's because they're looking for love in all the wrong places. Mm -hmm. They need a savior. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're never around for their daughters, and their daughters really need their dads. And so I think that they're looking for a dad, and they find this guy that they think they really like, and he's supportive of them and, you know, all this stuff. And then once they have physical contact and everything, and if the girl gets pregnant, then all of a sudden he leaves. Because he doesn't want anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So, again, the question, somebody else can answer too. What is it that these young ladies are thinking about? And even the young men, but the young ladies are really the ones that suffer the consequences. At age 9 and age 12, and it happens. You know, these young girls are getting pregnant early. What are they thinking? Are they thinking that they really want to be a mom? Are they thinking that they're really going to enjoy family life all of a sudden? I mean, what's going on? You tell me. I'm just thinking the mentality is always that we're, we're going to get away with it, just like sin. There's always this, you don't like what you said, that's not what somebody thinks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they always think that'll happen to somebody else, but I'll never get caught, I'll never have the consequences, and that goes with sin. Right. Because mentally, in our mind, we exclude that part. Mm -hmm. So basically, they're not seeing the end result. They're not understanding the repercussions that might come about from being intimate too soon or spending that intimate time together when it's really not time for that. You know, there's a place that you can be, uh, what's that, what, how do I want to say it, uh, socially correct when it comes to intimacy, okay? And what I mean by that is that you can actually be in an environment where you can share quality time with that person that's not going to be damaging to you. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. 
But intimate time together by yourselves uh, inappropriately is actually going against one of the counsels of the Bible, and that is to abstain from all appearances of evil. Have you heard that before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I also think that the parents don't talk to their kids anymore. Mm-hmm. So the kids don't really, they don't see the end results, but they've never heard the end results because their parents never talk to them because either they're watching TV or they're always gone or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or their parents are, you know, into talking to their kids, but they've never actually talk to them. They've, you know, had a conversation, but they've never actually talked with their kids. The family mm-hmm. unit is weakening. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Kind of what you're talking about, but at a, at a family level, where well, there's maybe some but it's superficial communication and the heart's not being dealt with. Okay, good. How about um, getting involved physically because that is what boyfriends and girlfriends do. Does that happen out there? Mm-hmm. That's a worldly principle. Uh, I remember growing up in high school and, you know, you would hear about the guys would talk about how they spent this time with that girl and the girls were talking about going out with this guy and it just seemed like the cool thing to do. You know, to get involved in that type of relationship and do what guys and girls do at, 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 in their teenage years and it, there's really no holds barred anymore when it comes to teenagers. You know, they are into anything and everything and it's really sad. But a lot of times we follow this worldly principle that if somebody else is doing it, it's okay for me to do it. And maybe you don't see the results of what's happening with them, and maybe they might get away with it for a while. But again, the end result, when we look at the Bible, is if we get involved with a person like that into a relationship like that, the end result for both of us could ultimately be eternal death. I mean, that's what the Bible says, being in a type of relationship like that. How about being secretive and hidden with your relationship? Is that a worldly principle? Yes, it is. Let's look at some godly principles here in just a second. Um, It says in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 10, Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh for childhood and youth and vanity. He's saying this in the context of doing all that you want to do as a young person and and having fun and and living the life, but know that for all these things you're going to be brought into judgment. He then goes on to say, because of this, instead of doing all those things that young people are doing, instead of destroying your life, instead of following worldly principles, remove the sorrow from your heart. In other words, assess what's going on with yourself. Go to God, confess those things, have a clear conscience about your life, put away all the bad things that you're doing and all the, all the bad relationships that you're involved with, whether it be friends or even on a more intimate level with boyfriend or girlfriend, get rid of these things in your childhood and your youth because if you don't get rid of them then, it could, be, it could end up to be destructive in the later years of your life. Um, the Bible gives us good counsel when it comes to relationships. I use this text when it comes to anything that I deal with socially. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, if someone could open that up and read it for us. And read it nice and loud. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Okay, so what is Paul saying? What's he saying with all of those words? He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Can we bring these principles into our, our personal relationships with, with other people? Yeah, I want to take the person that I am interested in and I want to take them to the Bible like we mentioned earlier and I want to take this text and I want to take this person and I want to say, is this person true? 
Is he true to the Bible? Is he true in all the other social relationships that I see him in? Is he honest or is she honest in all of her dealings and everything that I know about him or her? Is this person honest? Do they have integrity? Are they true? Are they honest? Are they just? Do they have principles in their life that they abide by? Or do they just do whatever and they live for whatever and there's really no guiding principles in their life? Are they true and honest and just? Is their life revealing to you purity? Or is this someone who talks with a foul mouth, say, they, they say crash jokes, they talk uh, bad about women, or they talk bad about guys? Is this person's life pure? Are they, have they been involved in a lot of relationships before? Do they have a lot of boyfriends or a lot of girlfriends all the time? These are things you need to be thinking about. These are signs that you can, you can look at and say, hmm, I either want to be in a relationship with this person or I don't want to be in a relationship with this person. So it's a, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. And I would even go so far as to say, what do my parents see when they look at this person? What do my friends see when they look at this person? And when I say friends, I'm thinking about godly friends in the, in the church, people who know the Lord. When they look at this person, what do they see? You know, one of the things that I have um, on the godly uh, things is, where's it at? Getting counsel from godly people that you know and trust. That's very key because when we get into relationships, a lot of times, like we've talked about, emotions run high and thoughts and feelings are just gripping you and you're just feeling like pulled along and everything's good and you're feeling just all giddy about the relationship that you're in. And you're not stopping to think through everything and it's hard. I have noticed that sometimes young people, when they're in a relationship and they're asking for counsel, they'll actually take the counsel, they'll hear it, and they'll say, I hear you, I understand, and I've even confirmed with them, are you sure you understand? Or do you get it? Yes, I get it. And I see them walk right out of that council and go and do the exact things that we talked about not doing. That's what happens when we get into a relationship prematurely, and that's what happens when we don't follow counsel. I met a young man, uh, actually, last this, it was earlier this year, and he got into a relationship with a young lady and these guys told me, no, 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 we don't like these girls. We're just, we just talk to them. We're just getting to know them. They're friends, you know? And I'm thinking, how can you be friends? You just met them this week. And so I see him hanging out, three guys, three girls, and um, talked with them a little bit about it. And I said, oh, no, nothing's happening. There's nothing there. Well, then I move on into the, my next area of ministry during the summer and I find out that one of these guys is actually dating one of these girls. And another one of these guys is dating one of these girls. And another one of these guys wanted to date one of these girls, but the girl didn't want to date him. And these guys all told me that there's absolutely nothing going on. Just acquaintances. But here they are in relationship. And one of them was in relationship in one of the ministries that I just came from. And he found himself being enticed by a young lady and he had a work to do, he had a job to do, and he was having a hard time accomplishing that job because his attention was being drawn away by this young lady that supposedly uh, had a positive interest in him. Both of them Christians, but what I find interesting is that in this relationship that was supposed to be good and they're pursuing it and we're not interested in each other, but yet we're just kind of testing the waters and we're trying to move according to principle, they couldn't stay away from each other their Christian experience is being compromised. 
and the experience of other people that were in that ministry and being involved with it, young people, 15 to 18 years old, their experience was also being compromised. So let me ask you this. Is it a good thing that's going on? No, it's not a good thing at all. Trying to counsel with him. First time we talked to him. Yeah, I hear you. And if there's anything else, please let me know. I, I want to know. I want you to tell me. Immediately after that counseling session, right back into it again. Call him back again. Got it. No worries. I'll take care of it. Boom, right back again. Can't stay away. And over and over and over again. A recidivist situation. And so to me, and maybe you can help me understand why it is that when young people even want counsel and ask for counsel when it comes to relationships, they get it, they hear it, they, hear, they know it, they understand it, but then they go right back into the same situation once again. Why is it? Good counsel. So they had, the, they had the Samson syndrome, right? He was saying, hey, mom and dad, here's the honeycomb. I'm bringing it to you. I want you to eat it. It's good stuff. But I don't want you to know that I did something wrong in doing it. Mm -hmm. So I'm still doing something wrong, but I'm kind of covering it up with something good. You guys agree with that? Mm -hmm. All right. Um, let's go to the top here. Independent, active relationship with Jesus. Is that a godly principle? By independent, active relationship with Jesus, I mean that you have a relationship, that other person has a relationship, it's independent of your relationship with each other, and it's active, and before you come into a relationship with them, you actually have one. Now, the challenge that I see with young people, especially in the church today, is that they have an eye on someone, they have a bead on that person, and that person doesn't necessarily have a strong relationship with God, but all of a sudden, when they get in a relationship with someone who wants them to know Jesus... All of a sudden they get religious and they're reading their Bibles and they're studying together and it's all good. In reality, the heart's not changed. They're just moved by wrong motives to be in a relationship too early, too soon. Okay? We need to be in a relationship with Jesus first and then we're safe to be involved with someone else. When I was um, thinking about marrying my wife now, that's one of the things that I was looking for. I wanted to know for myself that she had a personal relationship with Jesus. That was the most important thing to me because I knew what relationships were like without Jesus and I knew that I wanted one with him. And so I um, did my homework and I assessed the strengths and weaknesses of the situation and I realized uh, just by looking at um, her uh, webpage and actually talking to her and finding out her experiences over the last several years that this is someone that I could actually be married to uh, in the eyes of the Lord without feeling guilty about it. This is a person who had rededicated her life to Christ. She was doing missionary work in another country and wasn't even thinking about being married to me. And so that appealed to me because I said, this young lady actually has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I met her in another country, I saw that being lived out in her life and we actually had a stronger connection at that point in time because she did have a relationship and so did I. And so we need an independent, active relationship with Jesus to make all this work. That's a godly principle. Another godly principle is praying and studying God's word for counsel. And that's not necessarily together. Again, that's on an independent situation, an active relationship with Jesus. And it's even good when you're considering to be in a relationship to get some of these 
good books. Like, how many of you have read Adventist Home before? Have you? Excellent book. Um, I wish that we could have just had the class time and we could have sat and read that book together. It's that good, yes. Ellen G. White did another book that was really, really good, and it was called Let- Letters to Young Lovers. Lovers. Mm-hmm. And that is recommended reading for any anniversary. Okay, good. All right, so paying, praying to God and studying God's word for counsel and actually following that counsel. Also, when you're thinking about being in a relationship with someone, assessing their strengths and weaknesses objectively. A lot of times we move from emotion and from physical attributes, and we want to be with that person, but maybe we're not going to be perfectly matched together. We had a seminar earlier. It was talking about being unequally yoked together. Remember that? Uh, Another way to be unequally yoked is to be uh, interested in wanting to get involved with someone that may not be tracking on the same path that you're tracking on. Okay? Even if you're Christians. You know, one person may want to be involved with missionary work all around the world and their desire is to go live out in the Congo. Others may not want to do that. That's not their vision of missionary work. Their missionary work may be in the local church, uh, working a full-time job, ministering there in that job, trying to get Bible, uh, Bible studies to them, and then uh, taking care of the church stuff uh, on the weekend or during the week or however it works. That may be their ministry. Another person may say, I want to be a nurse locally so that I can care for the physical needs of people and look for opportunities to witness. Okay, so when I think about assessing strengths and weaknesses objectively, I want to make sure that the person I'm getting involved with is actually on the same page as me. Because if not, it can be a detriment. It can be a hindrance to the work that you want to do. I think of my friend Josh that I just told you about in the last seminar. You know, they both were Seventh-day Adventists, kind of, but her vision of being a Seventh-day Adventist was a different vision than he had. And if they would have progressed, they would have been unequally yoked together. And he went ahead and began to assess the strengths and weaknesses of the relationship. And he says, hey, wait a minute. This is not something that I can be a part of because we're not in harmony. And so that's something we need to consider. Also, uh, willingly avoiding appearances of evil. What do I mean by that? Thank you. A situation that looks bad. Okay. Even if it's very innocent. Okay. Not compromising the relationship or even the character of someone by being in a place that you shouldn't be. Because if you are in, in the appearance of evil, if you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, not only do people look at you as a couple and say, hmm, that just doesn't look right. They begin to look at the individual and say, hmm, that person isn't who I thought he or she was. And if you're leading someone into that type of relationship, you're at fault for really bringing darkness uh, upon the character of that person that you're involved with. So it's very important to willingly avoid the appearances of evil so that no one has anything negative to say about your relationship. It's out in the open. Um, and some of the ways that you can get it out in the open is actually spending time in a family environment. Um, with your family or their family where you're spending time with them and you're getting to know each other. I mean, that's a really good environment to be in. It's a safe environment to be in. Another one is spending time socially with friends. In other words, being in groups with, with your friends. Um, say, for instance, you like a guy and he likes you and you really want to spend time together, but being uh, alone together isn't necessarily appropriate. So what do you want to do? Maybe call your friends and say, hey, you know what? 
we were thinking about going, doing, going and doing this and that and the other, so how about all of us go and hang out by the river? Or how about all of us go for a hike? Or whatever it is that you want to do, make sure that you're doing it in a safe environment to avoid appearances of evil. Uh, spend it socially with friends or with family or someplace that you know is good. Also, getting counsel from godly people you know and trust. Uh, taking things slowly as opposed to getting into things too soon. Um, what would happen? How would you feel? How would you feel if you moved into a situation too quickly and you gave too much and then you realize that this is not the person you wanted to be with? How would you feel? Tainted. Tainted? I mean, let me just be frank with you. What would happen if you got physically involved with someone? You didn't mean to do that, but yet, you know what? I think I might spend the rest of my life with this person, so even though I feel this is wrong, I'm going to do it anyway because I just feel close to this person. I want to be with them. And you do it, and it happens, and the next thing you know that relationship is broken, how are you going to feel? Guilt. You're going to feel guilty? How else are you going to feel? You're never going to be able to get that time back that you had uh, wasted. Okay, you'll never be able to get that time wasted back that you wasted. Will you ever be able to share that experience with the one that you will marry down the road? No, no because you've already given it to someone else. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. Taking things slowly. The reason that you want to do that is because you don't want to regret anything that you do when it comes to being in a relationship with someone else. Regrets are terrible. You'll always remember them. You may be able to move beyond them, but you will never forget them. And so taking it slowly is a safeguard. As you learn more and more about that person, as you spend time, quality time with them, good time with them, you begin to realize whether or not this is a person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And if it is, you have the rest of your life to do those things. Amen? Amen. So you don't need to do them in the immediate context of a relationship outside of marriage. You can say, hey, you know what? I know that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with them. I want to get prepared for that day when the world turns upside down, if you will. And I can share that experience with the one that I know I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. How's that sound? Am I right or wrong? Right. right. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. There's a, there's a book that I read. I'm an obsessive reader. Anyways, um, and it was called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Mm -hmm. And it's a really, really good book. And it goes over the godly principles mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Okay, good. Um, also, in taking things slowly, we kind of talked about this. Careful with the physical aspect of the relationship. You don't want to get into that prematurely and regret the things that you're doing. And also, praying together. Um, one thing that I did when I was thinking about getting married is I, I prayed and asked that God would be the center of our relationship. Because if He's at the center of it and He's binding us together, I know that it's going to work if we're willing to commit to that. So praying together. So these are some of the godly principles that I've experienced. These are just from my own personal experience uh, over the years that I've gathered, the good ones and the bad ones, and hopefully they're a blessing to you. Uh, another thing I want to share with you here, um, when it comes to godly principles and developing relationships with people, it says many, even in their seasons of devotion, fail of receiving the blessing of real communion with God. They are in too great haste. With hurried steps, they press through the circle of Christ's loving presence, pausing perhaps a moment within the sacred precincts, but not waiting for counsel. 
They have no time to remain with a divine teacher, and with their burdens they return to their work. These workers can never attain the highest success until they learn the secret of strength. It goes on to say, they must give themselves time to think, to pray, to wait upon God for a renewal of physical, mental, and spiritual power. They need the uplifting influence of His Spirit, and receiving this, they will be quickened by fresh life. The wearied frame and tired brain will be refreshed. The burdened heart will be lightened. Not a pause for a moment in His presence, but personal contact with Christ. To sit down in companionship with Him, this is our need. We need to be transformed. Can you say amen? Amen. By the renewing of our mind. And that cannot happen if we are not in personal contact with Christ. And if we're not in personal contact with Christ and there's no transformation of the mind, that means that we're going to be conformed to the world because it's one thing or another. And then when we think about our relationships, it really comes down to this. What am I doing with my relationship with Christ? Because what I'm doing there really defines what kind of relationship I'm going to have with the person that I'm with. If I have a good, solid relationship with Christ, I know that I actually have something to give to them that's stable, solid, true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. But if I don't have him, I'm walking on very dangerous ground because all I have are the destroying and destructive worldly principles of Satan's kingdom. So I have to ask myself, am I having personal contact with him? In my morning devotions, am I just passing through quickly? Or am I counseling with him and am I asking him about what it means to be in a godly relationship with another person? Am I taking that time to be with him and making sure that all my I's are dotted and my T's are crossed when it comes to venturing in to one of the most uh, intricate situations that any human being will ever be a part of. The meshing of two lives together is a miracle of God. And it's an even greater miracle to think that he can mesh two lives together that are completely broken. It's like taking two glass bottles. You have a, a green Mountain Dew bottle, a green Sprite bottle over here, and you have a brown or a, a white Pepsi bottle over here, and you break them down together. And they shatter on the ground. And then you try to pick up those pieces and put them back together again. And not only put them back together again, but put them back together in one bottle and make it perfect and able to be used to drink out of again. How easy is that going to be? Impossible. And so when you think about two people coming together, you have to realize that it's impossible for it to happen if God's not in it. To take two broken lives full of sin and actually make something of it can only happen by a miracle of God. Amen? Amen. And I'll tell you, I'll just give you some insight. I'm gonna, I'll share my testimony uh, on Sabbath, but I'll just give you some insight a little bit more. And then you guys can have the inside track, okay? My wife that I'm married to right now was the lady that I was married to when I went to prison. And we were divorced. Both of our lives were broken by decisions that I had made. And the impossibility of that relationship coming together was just that. It was impossible. 
But through all the years, God was working on her heart and my heart. And I was counseling with God. And I realized that she was the wife of my youth. You know, you really only get one. Do you realize that? God doesn't say, I'm going to give you the wives of your youth. He says, I'm going to give you the wife of your youth. And I want you to hang on to her. Cherish her and love her. And even if something happens, she's still your wife because what God brings together, no man can separate. It's a human idea. He has bound those hearts together forever. And no matter what relationship you get into, and you haven't experienced this yet, but if you ever get remarried to someone else, you're going to take that original relationship into another marriage with you, and it will have an influence there. Now, it doesn't mean that another marriage can't work, but you will find that that marriage that you were in initially will always remain and that part of you will always be with that person and you can never take that part that you've given to that person and give it to the next person because it was given to them. Now, I had the privilege of actually remarrying my wife. Amen? Amen. We were converted, both of us living for Christ and we had to hammer out the details, guys. I'm not kidding. And she had to learn how to trust me again. And praise God it happened. I'm excited. And there's nothing more important to me in this world than the wife that I have today. She's awesome. But God took two broken lives, shattered by sin. And over a decade, he's brought them back together again. Now, not in a sinful situation, but to give glory to him. And that's what he can do. He can recover something that's broken, but I want to tell you in closing on this part of the seminar that he doesn't desire for it to be broken. He wants it to be whole. And in your youth, as you get married, if you get married as a younger person, he wants you to know him as your creator in that relationship because he's the one that can create and develop a relationship that can flourish all through the years of this world and into eternity. And as young people, if you develop and base your relationship Upon that relationship with him, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Amen? Amen. And that's really what I, I hope for you. Um, I don't want you to have the experience that I've had. Uh, I really want you to kind of skip the first part and move into the second part. And have that person that you just are excited about being with and, and that you love and, and that you know that uh, loves you and, and that you know they're consecrated to the Lord. They have their own prayer life. They have their own, their own devotional life. They have their own intimate relationship with God and so do you. And you can bring that together and you can talk on a level that most human beings don't even talk on anymore. One of the awesome things about being in a relationship when your mind has been transformed, when it's been renewed, is now you have the ability to talk about the most intimate thing in the world. Do you know what that is? Anybody? Yeah, pretty much. Your relationship with Christ. That should be the most intimate thing in your life. And you can share that most intimate thing with each other. To me, that's what being in a relationship is all about. That I can share Jesus with my wife. My wife can share Jesus with me openly and honestly and candidly. And that sets the tone for all the other intimate relationships that we have together. And that's awesome. So, will you be conformed to the worldly principles? Or do you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Which one is it for you?
How many of you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? <laughs> Max says, I think, I, yeah, I do, I do. Praise the Lord. I want to take about five or ten minutes. You guys can walk out, get a breath of fresh air. Come back, come back in five minutes. Will you come back in five minutes? I'm going to give you a break since this part's over. Uh, we'll get ready for the second one. You guys can go take a breather and get out of the hot room for a minute, okay? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for what you're sharing with us, and we pray that you continue to lead us and guide us through our time together. And thank you, Lord, that uh, even maybe at a just surface level today, we've decided that we want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Uh, We have acknowledged that. And Lord, I pray that you would take that acknowledgement and just work miracles with it and develop a relationship with these young people, with me, with all of us, Father, so that when the time comes, we can actually know what it means to be in a true relationship with another human being. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.